The Women Like You podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the lands on which we meet today. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. is to get rid of any kind of shame or embarrassment over decisions that you've made in your life regarding your health. Two minutes of exercise, sure, it might not be as great as getting 20 minutes of exercise done, but it's better than zero minutes. Hello and welcome to Women Like You, the podcast for women who hate working out but know they should. I'm Gab, I'm an audio producer and journalist. I'm Sarah, I'm a GP and I work in fertility and women's health. We are coming to you live from lockdown, baby. We're going a bit stir crazy after what seems like years stuck inside. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we're up to day 10,053. Uh, 54. 54, 10,054. My apologies. Um, it's hard to keep track. It's hard to keep track. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> like getting outdoors once a day for our uh, allotted exercise time has actually been a real highlight, the highlight of our days, I would say. Something we never thought we'd hear ourselves say, that we are keen to get outside to exercise. <laughs> I got outside in my raincoat in the rain yesterday, cranking some tunes. I would never have done that before. A rainy day is a perfect excuse to do nothing, but oh, just getting outside of the house is key at the moment. Oh, look at you go. <laughs> so we are living proof that you can become an exercise person. You don't have to love it, but you can get it done. Yes, and that's kind of what we're going to focus on today. On this episode, we're going to look at negative self-talk and why what you say to yourself matters. And we're going to go through some of your amazing tips for busy mums on how to squeeze some exercise into your already busy mum lives. Yes, let's do it. Feeling good. In lockdown, speaking of. Speaking of, yeah. Look, I just, I really wanted to send a bit of lockdown love out there today. Um, Look, as you know, I work in fertility, but I also work as a general GP. And in my GP job this week, I'm just really... it's been really obvious that people are, are struggling. Look, they miss their extended families, you know, both here due to lockdown and, and overseas due to border restrictions. I think, you know, people are really missing their social interactions. There's increasing financial insecurity. It's, it's palpable. That grief and isolation is palpable. And so, you know, this week at work, I can assure you there were a lot of tears from patients. Uh, Some of those tears were mine. Um, And I think that it's really, it's the uncertainty that people are struggling with. And, you know, I think human brains work best when we're able to predict outcomes, regardless of how good our predictive skills actually are. But at the moment, the degree of uncertainty around when lockdown might end is a huge source of trauma. So one thing I want you to think about, one antidote to this sort of palpable grief that's out there at the moment is routine. So I appreciate that there's very little that you can control at the moment, but there are a couple of things within your control that will help to give your brain some anchors. So if you can, try and wake up and go to bed at the same time each day. Try and get some morning exposure to sunlight. I know that we spoke about this last week, but it will help you to set your circadian clock, set your circadian rhythm. And look, even if you don't feel like doing a full exercise routine, which is completely understandable in a lockdown, just try to keep that exercise habit going. Sort of try to go back to that two minute hack. I think any little moments of routine that you can reincorporate into your life at the moment, it's just going to help us get through this really tough time. Oh, How's your uh, week been? Um, 
yeah, it's been it's been busy. It's been tiring. Um, I've uh, sort of started a new position at work, so kind of you know when you feel like your head's kind of spinning a little bit, you're trying to keep on top of everything and mm-hmm. and learn a new gig. So I've I've been finding uh, by the end of every day, I've been very exhausted. Exercise wise, off the back of our chat about type two diabetes, I've been very good this week. I've been very motivated to uh, to make sure that I get something done every day. I've been doing lots of walking. I've been cracking a couple of those seven minute workouts. I did I did two times seven minute workouts um, this week as well in a row. Yep, I, how'd it I, go? It was actually great. You know what? The second time round, I was better than the first. Really? Yeah. I haven't actually. I haven't had a crack at doing them back to back yet. I'm sort of a bit too scared. Yeah. Well, surprisingly, I've found sometimes in the first round, or certainly in the first round, I'm a bit hesitant. I'm probably not as warmed up as I'd like to be. And I have that immediate fear of not being able to complete the session, even though it's only seven minutes. I have that fear that comes in immediately from a lifetime of feeling like, you know, someone who shouldn't be doing exercise. Um, and And I kind of, I'm really hesitant to approach it. And then weirdly what happened this week where, when I was doing it was I got to the end of the seven minutes and I was like, oh, I actually feel okay. And I really want to try doing that again. And, you know, like the first time around, I couldn't hold the plank pose for 30 seconds. And I was like, I really, really wanted to try and get to 30 seconds. I'll, I'll do it again and just see if I can really hold it the second time around. And because I had literally just done the first seven minutes and I had proved to myself that I could do it, I attacked the second seven minutes like a woman possessed. Yeah, like I was those jumping jacks. Like if you'd seen my face, you would have been terrified. I was just like, come on, you could do the high knees. I was like, come on, I could do this. And then the plank, I was like, you can do this. And you know how sometimes when when you do um, yoga with Adrian sessions and she says things like, whisper to yourself, I am strong. I am strong. (laughs) I was like planking going, come on, I am strong. And I did it. I did it. It was totally fine. And I got to the end of the, uh, what would be 14 minutes. Well, actually, it's more closer to 20 when you add in the 10 seconds of rest yeah, 10, or whatever. 10, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, I got to the end of it and I was like, holy crap, I can do this. Like, that was awesome. And I was better the second time than the first. So, yeah. Yeah, you, which is really kind of counterintuitive, isn't it? Because mm. you'd think, look, you know, I'm going to be tired by the end of the second one. But in fact, it probably gave you a bit of a confidence boost rather than the opposite. That's exactly what it did. Like it literally made me go, I can do this. Stop doubting yourself. You've literally just proved to yourself that you you can get through it and survive and you haven't died. Uh, you know, give it a crack, do it again. And uh, it, so good. I am totally inspired by you. I've been, uh, yeah, I've been doing a lot of, uh, a lot of yoga this week, which has been really lovely, I think. Uh, and yeah, that's why I giggled when you said how your, uh, Adrian often says, you know, you can do hard things. You are strong. You are flexible. I, Look, sometimes saying those things out loud actually really helps. It does. And I'm I'm at home on my own in my bedroom. No one sees me looking like an idiot, so <laughs> who, who cares? I am strong. But the other big thing off the back of um, our big discussion last week about type 2 diabetes, the risk factors, um, is that I went and got myself tested, booked in a, a trip to the GP, went and got tested, did a fasting blood oh. test. Everything's totally fine, which is a Woo-hoo. huge relief. But at the same time, there are some factors for me to look out for. You know, in particular, you know, we we're talking about waistline measurements on the episode. I'm sitting at about 80 or, or sort of either on 80 or just under. And in the last couple of years, you know this, Sarah, because obviously you're my best mate and you've, you know, watched every aspect of my life. But um, over the last few years, I'm I- watching you. <laughs> 
I, I have made a, a huge effort to drop some kilos again, not for that bikini body bullshit, purely for health reasons, because it, a couple of years ago, oh, there's a plane going by. We are in a flight path, flight path Yay. today. Who are these people? <laughs> Where are they going? Take me and with you. Take me with you. <laughs> Yeah, so like over the last, I would say the last sort of five or so years of my career, I have found like I have been more focused on work and prioritizing that than my health. And for a long time there, every year, I would say I was gradually putting on weight, putting on weight, putting on weight. And I just felt awful and stressed and unfit. And I got to a point a couple of years ago where I was like, I have to do something about this. I just feel like shit. And so I actually, um, Signed up to the CSIRO Total Wellbeing Diet, which is amazing. It's real which food. Is brilliant. <laughs> and I point patients. <laughs> yeah, I point patients in the direction of it all the time when they're asking for some guidance, particularly for some lower carbohydrate eating, but not going like full crazy Atkins keto rubbish. Yes. So it's, uh, yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, so I, did, I, you know, signed up to that a couple of years ago, lost about, I think it was sort of 13, 13 kilos or just over 13 kilos in the in the first kind of 12-week program and then ha- have managed to kind of stay around that point. But, you know, after our discussion and looking at some of the risk factors, for me it's something I'm now definitely more aware of and it's something I'm going to work really hard to kind of bring some of those risk factors down a little bit. Um, I'm really, yeah. yeah, look, I think that's that's exactly what we were hoping to kind of get out of the episode is, you know, we just want you to have a think about what your risk factors might be. You know, it doesn't have to be scary. Blood test is a blood test. It's no big deal. You're tough. You've, you've done harder things than go and have a fasting blood test. So that's brilliant. I'm so, so proud of you for actually getting stuck into it this week. Oh, it's been mate and thank you for just explaining it in a in a normal way that, you know, is easy to understand and is also um, not as scary as it sounds. And I think the biggest thing Sarah that I was thinking, you know, after we talked about type 2 diabetes and, you know, we t- we think about health factors and all that kind of stuff. The biggest thing for me is to get rid of any kind of shame or embarrassment over decisions that you've made in your life regarding your health because it's unhelpful to sit there and, totally. and beat yourself up about that. You know, we've we've all done things that, you know, maybe in hindsight we we regret or, or we think, oh, I could have done that differently or maybe I shouldn't have, you know, necked that whole bottle of bubbles or something like whatever. Like, it's, you know, there's so many <laughs> How did things. you know? <laughs> there's so many things, you know, like, but the thing is you, you only know what you know at the time and also – we're emotional beings, life happens, things oh, get look, tough. There are only 24 hours in the day. And, you know, I think so many of us have focused on our careers, focused on our families, focused on other people's needs, that it's it does take a change in mindset to realise that focusing on our health actually has to be a top priority. Mm, number one, even. And also just because you will be a better colleague, you will be a better employee, you will be a better mum, you will be a better daughter, sister, whatever, just, you know, person in the community. If you are looking after yourself, it's not selfish, you will be a better person for it. But at the same time, do not beat yourself up for decisions that you have made. Don't feel guilty. Don't feel shame. You know, if 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 nah. looking at some of these risk factors and you're going, oh, God, you know, maybe I need to, you know, lose some kilos for my health. Maybe I, oh, why did I, you know, why have I let this go? Why did I let this get so bad? Whatever it is, shut the fuck up. Like, yeah, it doesn't Everybody matter. makes the right decisions for themselves at the time. And, you know, what's in the past is in the past. Build a bridge. We'll move on. <laughs> and we will start, uh, you know, we can you, you can start fresh today. 
Do you remember when we first started going for very tiny little runs together uh, at the start of this year? And um, that was a really big leap for you because... Oh, my God, I was terrified. <laughs> you, I was you, totally you were like, terrified. Oh, I'm not a runner. I can't run. But I'm, I'm not a runner. I can't run. I actually do have nightmares about not being able to run away from some kind of threat. Um, really? Like I, I, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, I've always been terrified of the concept of <laughs> running. And, and a little bit ashamed of the fact that I've never been the sort of person who would be able to go for a run. And I tried it once and I hated it because I went hell for leather. It was awful. And I was just like, yeah, that's that's fine. I'm just useless when it comes to these sorts of things. Which is amazing because, I mean, I've had the same thing. I always thought I, I grew up in a very sporty family. I have three brothers. They're all gifted athletes, um, you know, just kind of naturally athletic. And they, you know, would play a thousand different sports. And one of them was what we called cross country, which is basically, you know, running outdoors, not on a, not on a track, you know, on a course. Um, and it's long distance running. And uh, one of my brothers in particular is um, just has like a really uh, kind of relaxed running style and just looks one of those people that just looks annoyingly natural like it's easy and it's fine and it's like it doesn't hurt it's it's, it always used to astound me because whenever I tried running I'd be like this I've seen these people yeah I I do not look like these people right and so I always just assumed that um I didn't have and I, I don't I didn't have that you know, runner's physique. I wasn't tall and slender. I didn't have long legs. You know, like when you used to watch the Olympics as a kid and you'd watch, you know, Kathy Freeman and that amazing gait that she has and you just think, wow, that's a runner. I don't look anything like that. My physique's not like that. And it also feels awful when I do it. So clearly uh, I am not a runner. But it's amazing that y- that you were like, oh, you know, I can't run. And then we, we started going for like little, you know, 20-minute runs together and you were amazing. And even in that process, you were like, oh, I probably look like a dickhead. And I was like, no, you look like someone who's going for a run. And the amazing thing for me <laughs> about that process was that you had also just been going through this phase of those, you know, starting those really long weekend walks with your husband where, you know, you'd spend the whole day kind of out and about walking and you were clocking up like 20 kilometer kind of walks. And I was like, how can you say that you're not a runner when you have the capacity to do extensive amounts of physical activity it was the um, (laughs) power of compartmentalizing (laughs) so yeah you know I guess um this kind of you know gets us into the idea of negative self-talk and why what you say to yourself and how you think of yourself really matters because a lot of it's not actually based in reality you know like I always thought I couldn't be a dancer because I didn't have a dancer's body and I have flat feet I thought that I couldn't do yoga because if I was ever in a yoga class I felt like a giant next to very sort of petite flexible women I just felt like a heifer uh, and I'm not very flexible and yeah I thought I couldn't be a runner because the people directly related to me the closest you know relations in the world my brothers just all did it so smoothly and easily and I was just this slow plodding um buffalo who <laughs> you know just always felt like shit and so sloths don't make the best runners <laughs> They do sleep but like a champion though. <laughs> <laughs> but it's amazing how I've formed those beliefs about myself 
and continue to think about myself in that way. And it's only now that I'm sort of seeing the impact that that's had on me and the fact that it made me believe that I couldn't really be somebody who could be fit. I couldn't really be someone who exercises on the reg because I'm just not built. I'm just not built like that. And yeah, I, I realize now that a lot of these beliefs about myself came from experiences that I had or things people said to me. So they're not actually based in any kind of re- – they're not based in reality. It's not yeah, – like, This isn't formed from concrete data that no. you have. This is something that's been said to you that you've internalised or something that you've, you know, you've made the leap from A to B in a totally illogical way. Yep, yep. And just gone, nope, I'm done, can't do it, not me. <laughs> not me. So I guess, yeah – Talking about the impact of certain thought patterns, the beliefs that we have about ourselves, you know, they're known as core beliefs. And it turns out if we think them often enough, they stick, as you and I both know. They're often formed in childhood. They come from things we've experienced and things that have been said to us by, you know, authority figures in our life, our parents, older siblings, teachers, grandparents, friends. And, you know, reading into this uh, for this episode, uh, a book that's completely unrelated to fitness, but is really a really interesting read is How to Do the Work by psychologist Nicole LaPera. And you actually got me onto this book, Sarah. It's, it's an awesome, it's an awesome read. Obviously, more for psychology and and you know that kind of stuff. Not really based on not, not a fitness book. Um, no, guess- not strictly, not strictly fitness. But I do think that there are you know by by having a look at things like that core belief structure. I think there's a lot that can be applied to how we think about our bodies and how we think about exercise for sure. Yeah, totally. So one of the great quotes that I love is, the more we practice certain thoughts, the more our brain wires itself to default to these thought patterns. Thinking a particular thought over and over again changes our brain, our nervous system, and the cellular chemistry of our entire body, making it easier to default to these thought patterns in the future. For example, the more we think about something, the more we're likely to believe in it. So if we've developed a core belief about ourselves, like I'm not a sporty person, I'm not athletic, you will then subconsciously look for things to confirm that belief, and it's called confirmation bias. So you know, whenever you demonstrate that you're not a sporty person, your brain says, see, I told you so, you're not sporty. And even though you might have done a million completely normal sporty things, so in, in your case, Sarah, you, you were saying to yourself, I'm not a runner, even though you had, had done a million sporty things in recent months and, you know, we're going for these big long walks and, and we're really building your fitness – the the one thing like if you did one unco thing or one thing that um, made you believe oh yep I'm, I'm I can't be a runner then that basically confirmed that played into you confirming that belief about yourself it's yeah it's it's amazing once you kind of start um, thinking about your own confirmation biases it's like oh shit yeah there's a lot in there yeah we do have a bias towards negativity it's it's true we we will always remember the hurtful thing that somebody says and uh, and we can very easily file away all of the wonderful things that people might say about us and that little negative will stick in our brains yeah, and I guess it probably comes from how we evolved as a species. You know, we were we are kind of hardwired in that way, in that our survival depended on looking out for the bad things. You know, looking out for things that yeah, were trying survival, to kill us. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. So you know, like if you 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 kind of conditioned to think of to watch out for the negatives, to watch out for the things that are trying to kill you. And so as a as a species, we'd focus on those rather than the things that made us happy, because you know, being happy meant that you had your guard down, and uh, bad things could happen. 
But the biggest thing to, to realise now is obviously living in a modern world where saber-toothed tigers aren't coming to eat us is that we are not our core beliefs. Just because you might believe something about yourself now, just because you might have always thought of yourself a certain way doesn't mean that it's true and it doesn't mean that it always has to be that way. As Sarah said, it's not a belief that's come from hard data that has proved a hypothesis that you cannot be an, a fit person or that you can't exercise or that you're not athletic. That has probably been handed to you from comments that have been made to you uh, or from experiences, bad experiences that you've had, you don't have to believe in those things anymore because they're not based in fact. And, you know, I also just want to say there is a difference between not liking a type of exercise and not doing a type of exercise because you don't think you can do it or you don't think you have the right body. It's okay to say, but I hate running. But I hate running. <laughs> yeah. But, but it's, well, don't run. But yeah. But, if- but don't say, don't say I, I'm not a runner because that's bullshit. No. No, exactly. You explained that so well. I just, oh, I love it. I love it. So good. You inspired me after your amazing diabetes talk last week. I felt dumb. (laughs) Anyway. um, Yeah, well, look, I think on top of that concept of core belief, I think we all struggle with that automatic thinking, those automatic negative thoughts. And these negative thought patterns can fall into four main categories. And I think it really helps to be aware of them so that we can catch ourselves in these Mm. negative thinking patterns and, and actually perhaps be able to intervene. And there's definitely a bit of overlap between these four main types of, of negative thinking. The first type is called filtering. So this is where you magnify the negative aspects of a situation and filter out all of the positive ones. So it's a little bit like, you know, the one negative comment, a thousand compliments, you know, easy to forget the thousand compliments. So this is a form of filtering. And I think that we can, you know, you can apply that to exercise. Speaking of running, it was not so long ago that I went for a run and I was so keen to actually make it to the 5k mark. I hadn't, I hadn't achieved that yet. I'd been going on sort of incrementally longer runs, but I actually kind of pulled my calf a little bit at about four, 4.2 Ks. I was so shitty with myself. I was so angry with myself because I didn't make it to five kilometers. What? So I had run. And you 4. hurt yourself in the process. I, yeah, I had run 4.2 Ks, which was the longest that I'd ever run. I'd never done more than four Ks before. So I'd run 4.2 Ks, but I had filtered out the 4.2 and I had entirely focused on the 0.8 that I didn't make. So this is one of those things. It's, it's again, just Whenever you start to to speak to yourself about the things that you haven't achieved, just take a little second to to recap what you have achieved. Mm. Well, I can't the, believe that. <laughs> Eight hundred meters. I, I know. I know. <laughs> oh, look, I, I I managed to talk myself out of it, but the but the immediate response. Yeah, yeah, was, that's what it is. The immediate response was, "Oh, bloody hell! You're going to do five k's? Like, oh, you can't even do five k's. You mm. can't even do this, right?" Mm. So it's it's that immediate negative thought, the automatic negative thought. Those when pathways, you reason, those pathways right. that are so set that you just follow them subconsciously. So when you start to to use reason and logic, you go, no, nah, 4.2Ks is a bloody good effort for someone that was never a runner. Mm. But at the time, you just, you filter out all of the good and you just focus on the negative. Um, Personalising is when something bad occurs and so you automatically blame yourself. In this situation, we will blame ourselves or someone else for something that was actually caused by sort of a complicated chain of events or that was really completely outside of our control to begin with. And I think I'm seeing this a lot at the moment when people are finding that they might be 
really struggling to keep up their workout schedule or keep a healthy eating plan when they're in lockdown. Mm. And and then going, that's that's all my fault. Like, it's, yeah, it's why can't, I'm shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why can't I do it? The reality is that, you know, life is tough at the moment. You know, the reason why you might not be getting as much exercise or eating as healthily as you might want to is because you're living through a bloody global pandemic. Like, <laughs> cut yourself some slack. Personalising can sometimes be a form of negative self-talk. Wow. I think, you know, uh, to be honest, I think most personalising for me is is negative self-talk a lot of the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The uh, the third one, and I'm I'm definitely guilty of this one, is catastrophizing. Um, great word, love it. Um, this is where you automatically anticipate the worst, or you quickly move from one negative to a bunch of negatives. And, wow. and I think of this as sort of a form of cascade thinking. So you know, this might stop you from starting a workout because mm-hmm. you immediately think you don't have the skill, the strength, or the capacity to do that workout in the first oh, place. Oh, that's a big one. Yes, yes, I know that feeling. <laughs> or if the you know, or if the workout doesn't go how you'd like, you infer that the rest of your day is going to be shit too. Like oh. you go, oh, if I'd have just been able to get through that, you know, full yoga session, or if I'd been able to get through that circuit, then but today I would didn't. be good. Yeah, I'm hopeless. Mm. Everything's stupid. You know, this is going to be an awful day. Yeah, and uh, and so I think it does also work in reverse. So if you it's kind of the falling off the wagon mentality. Yeah, um, you know, you skip a workout, or perhaps you know. Due to circumstances, you've had to skip a couple of workouts in a row that we then extrapolate and we go, you know, this isn't just I've been a bit busy this week, I'll get back on track, but rather, uh, there you go, proof, can't be a fit person, can't be a sporty person, don't even know why I tried in the first place, everything is useless, and just rolling that negative thinking down the hill. Oh, my God. You Literally, you've gone filtering, personalising and catastrophizing. I think this is just gab one, gab two and gab three. <laughs> I, think I'm going, I, think I think it's all of us. And, I'm, and going, the, I'm going, I'm going uh, four from four. What's, what's number four? Four from four. Number four is polarising. So this is where we have a tendency to see things in a very black and white sense. Things are either good or things are bad and perhaps we don't think about there being a, much of a, a middle ground. And this one, I think... Definitely affects the perfectionists amongst us. Shut up. Get out. I'm, look, I'm looking at you, Gub. Four from four. <laughs> and, and so that's, you know, again, we might stop even beginning a workout because we don't think that we have the skill or the endurance to do it. Perfectly. Um, or we think if we can't do it perfectly, you know, I wanted to do a 20-minute run. I don't have time for that. Two minutes is useless. When the reality is, again, two minutes of exercise, sure. It might not be as great as getting 20 minutes of exercise done, but it's better than zero minutes. So this all or nothing thinking, which I think you and I have definitely both been guilty of, Mm. or this polarising type of negative self-talk is the fourth thing to look out for. So just a quick recap, filtering, personalising, catastrophising and polarising. They all speak to me. I mean, filtering, obviously, yeah, you know, you, you focus on the um, the one negative experience or one negative comment over all of the other normal data that your <laughs> that your brain is being given. Personalising, absolutely. You know, why are all these people able to do it and not me? Catastrophizing, yes. You know, it, yeah, basically uh, the worst case scenario and <laughs> the polarising thing, if I can't do it perfectly, I may as well not do it. Holy shit. Like, you've literally <laughs> just described me in four parts. So how do we counter these sorts of negative self-talk? There are things that you can do to begin the process. So I think, you know, for a lot of people that struggle with negative 
thinking and negative self-talk. Um, you know, if you do have a history of trauma, anxiety, depression, then engaging in therapy can be really, really helpful. But if we're thinking less trauma and more just daily automatic negative thoughts, I think one of the keys is to understanding how thoughts appear and understanding that we are not our thoughts, that thoughts are automatic. All sorts of thoughts come into your brain all of the time. Some of them are great thoughts and some of them are not. So I think for those of you wanting to uh, to get to understand how thoughts appear, meditation and specifically mindfulness-based meditation can be an amazing tool. So in terms of some recommendations for where you can learn a bit more about mindfulness, at the moment there's a brilliant series on Netflix by Headspace. Have you have you seen it, Gab? No, I haven't seen it, but I know I've I've used the Headspace app and I really I really like it. It is a paid service. Um, but I'm assuming the uh, if you've got if you've got a Netflix account, you say, can watch this if, one. <laughs> if you've got a Netflix account and if you're stuck at home watching a lot of Netflix at the moment anyway, um, chuck the Headspace series on. There's there's a brilliant one about sleep, but there's a lot of really good evidence-based tools on how to practice mindfulness. Um, because again, I think it's easy to say, oh, go and meditate or go and be more mindful. But you you really need to learn yeah. how to do it. It's, it's it's a tool. It's not it's not magical thinking. You have to you have to understand it and you have to practice it. Yeah, and there's the, so much talk about meditation. You're like, what the fuck is it? Like I don't I don't know how to do it and what do we just sit there and breathe? Obviously not. <laughs> And so if you did want to take a bit of a deeper dive into mindfulness meditation, then I cannot recommend more highly the the Waking Up app by Sam Harris. Oh. Now, Sam Sam is a neuroscientist and a philosopher. Some of you are probably already familiar with his work. He's quite a prolific author. But his app is called the Waking Up app and it starts off, it kicks off with a 28-day course called the Waking Up course where he really teaches you how to meditate. And I I found this so helpful. I did this last year. I'm actually doing the 28-day the course again at the moment just as a bit of a refresher and, and a way to go back to kind of learning how to meditate. Um, now, it's not a free app, but there is a decent month-long trial, I think, that you can get with it. But the thing that I love about this and, oh, it just, yeah, it makes me really happy because I recommend this to patients all the time and I can't recommend things to them that are going to cost them a bunch of money, particularly if I'm recommending it to them to deal with financial stress, mm. um, is that he will offer anybody a free yearly subscription if you are experiencing financial hardship. You literally just have to send an email and, uh, and it is granted to everybody that requests a free year of the app. It's it's fantastic. Honestly, I, I use it pretty much every day. My husband uses it almost every day. It's science-based. It's not, you know, it's not hippie, airy-fairy stuff. Um, but no, it's brilliant. I'd definitely check it out. So it's the Waking Up app by Sam Harris. He's also got a great podcast um, called, I think it's called Waking Up, um, <laughs> and uh, and the Headspace series on Netflix. These will give you some, some tools to actually put uh, some mindfulness practice into place so you might be able to intervene when these negative self-thoughts come to play.
Uh, so, last episode, I read out a text from my sister-in-law, Elle. Uh, yes, Elle, you're appearing in this episode too. She was so excited by last episode, by the way. She was like, episode five is my best episode yet. Um, six out of six, Elle. Six, <laughs> six out, out of six. six. She sent me a text saying that her main issue is that she has to be on daughter duty in the morning because my brother starts work so early, but then she has to work as soon as my brother finishes and then she doesn't finish until dinner time and then, you know, yeah, she's like, am I going to do anything after that? Unlikely. So we did a call out on the podcast last week and on our Instagram at Women Like You Podcast. And we asked mums for your mum tips from mothers for mothers about how to fit exercise into that busy mum life. Elle, Elle responded to that and said, does putting play school on one screen and a is it barre? Barre, bar, bar, body class? What those like, I don't know how to say barre. And putting a barre body class on another screen count? Um, yes. Yes, it does, yes. Elle. Yes, it totally counts. Also, <laughs> how good is Elle asking questions and answering her own questions? Like, <laughs> bloody superstar. Yep. Uh, Georgina said, go for a morning walk before everyone wakes up and pack gym gear in the car for after work. Amanda and Beck from Jump On In Active said, wake up early, get it done before the rest of the fam bam is up and about. Awesome. Emmy said, do something while they sleep or do something with them, the kids that is. Jermaine said, uh, walking with the baby in a baby hiking pack. Catherine said, gym with a creche, you get some time for you and uh, the babe gets some alternative stimulation. Uh, Sarah, different Sarah to me, said put a podcast on and go for a walk in their nap, which is brilliant. And she does an eight-kilometre walk in a 1.5-hour nap, which is amazing. That's massive. Um, And for mums of slightly older kids who are a little more mobile, uh, we asked physiotherapist and mum of two, Ali. Ali's from Your Perfect Posture. Just as a side note, Ali is a total legend who posts incredible tips for women on how to reduce pain and injuries while you're at work. Um, You can check out her Insta at your underscore perfect posture. Now, Ali says a few great tips, actually. Go bike riding with the kids. When we stop at a park, I try to t- I try to run around it. I do step ups on the equipment. I play tag or chasey or mummy monster with the kids. I stand and stretch and do a few squats to just keep the heart rate up. She says, if we're at home, I bring the Bluetooth speaker outside and I do push-ups, squats, step-ups on the deck. I do sit-ups with my four-year-old sitting on my tummy. Um, and Aww. again, <laughs> so cute. And again, so um, cute. she says, I make a game of running around the house playing tag with the kids. Sometimes we do water guns, water balloons. And she says, I also make time to jump on the trampoline with the kids. Uh, we play a game of soccer in the yard. Now, Ali's kids are four and seven, so she recommends incorporating games into the session and music as well. Music is a big one, you know, dance parties, dance-offs in the kitchen, that kind of stuff. All just, Ali just sounds like ways. the most fun mum ever. <laughs> She's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, her uh, her website and her uh, her Instagram is brilliant. Definitely go check that out. Your underscore perfect posture. And, uh, and Karen said to use a jogger pram or a bike with a trailer and try to get out and uh, get on the bike path with the kids. Oh, that's such a good idea. Chuck them in the back, go for a ride. <laughs> It's adventure time. Thank you so much for all of those brilliant tips. As as we said last week, Gab and I aren't mums, so we don't want to lecture mums on what they should be doing. And true to form, mums came up with some brilliant suggestions this week. They bloody always do. On your mums. The Women Like You podcast is produced by me, Gab Burke, and music is by Hamish Camilleri. Thank you for stopping by and make sure that you like, follow and share. 
I am Gab. And I'm Sarah. And on the next episode, we will share some of the stupid things that we have done in the name of fitness. Oh, so dumb. (laughs) I can't wait to talk about CrossFit. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm already collating my stories. I love you. I love you too. I really miss you. I know. I miss your face. <laughs> oh, like it's it's been this week. I'm like the thing that I want to do the most when lockdown ends is I want to eat Vegemite toast with you. Yes. I want to meet up in the park and take I stupid meet the park photos where we pretend the, to work out. It's the little things. Hey, Vegemite toast, Vegemite toast and cuddles in the park. One oh, day. One day. Hug soon. All right. Love you. Love you too.